just want to let you know, some of you may be asking, where's Pastor? Where's Pastor? Well, Pastor uh, has a, a friend, I believe it's in, uh, in, in Vermont, goes away once a year and, uh, and has asked Pastor to fill the pulpit for him. And so Pastor's up there right now, both he and his wife. And so be in prayer for them as he's ministering to that church and uh, pray for traveling safety. He'll be back here uh, soon, but uh, let's, let's keep him in our prayers this morning. Matthew chapter 6. And if you found that, if you would stand to your feet for the reading of God's Word, Matthew chapter 6. And we'll read, starting in verse number 28. Why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed with like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall He not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. Verse number 33, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Let us pray. Lord, we thank You for the reading of God's Word today. We thank You for how You've delivered it to us and how, Lord, You've given us specific commands that we are to abide by. We are to keep it a focal point in our life and and follow after these things. I pray that today you'll be with the message. I pray that you'll be with the hearer, Lord. May we have open hearts and be receptive to that which you'd have for us to receive and that we'll leave here changed. Lord, I pray that you give me the right words to say. Give me clarity of speech. And I just pray that uh, everything said and done once again would be pleasing and glorifying to you. I need your power. I need your strength over over these next few moments. And I do ask that you meet with us in a special way this morning. And we ask this in your name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, we're continuing our series on the commands of Christ, and we're talking about my calling, our calling that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're reminded in Matthew chapter 6, verse number 33, that we are to seek first the kingdom of God. Way back in the book of Genesis, we find the story of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. God created the father and the mother of all living for the purpose of walking with them in perfect unity. It's hard for us to fathom, but there was a time when God created Adam and Eve before the fall of man where He fellowshiped and He walked in the cool of the day with them as you and I walk together even so today. He placed them in the garden of the tree, in the garden with the trees and with all these things and gave them a moral conscience and He gave them a choice that they could choose to use any resource that's found in the garden. You could eat of any tree and we find that Adam and Eve disobeyed and they took of the one tree that God had set aside for Himself, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And they they had the choice that day and thereafter to choose each day to obey or disobey their Creator. They had to choose each day to seek first God's kingdom and His righteousness or instead pursue their own kingdom. When Satan tempted Eve to eat of the fruit, he told her that she would be as a God discerning good and evil. The very first interpretation, or rather temptation of sin of humanity was to set God's kingdom and His righteousness to the side in the pursuit of selfish ambitions and dreams. Every human being since then has had to face up to the same choice. 
One thing I've learned over the course of my life is that humans are extremely selfish. Are we not? I look no further than just to drive here to church. Right? You're at a stoplight. A hundred yards away, you have another stoplight. As soon as that light turns green, somebody passes you, cuts you off, gets just right in front of you only to get to the next stoplight. Why is that? Because we're selfish. It's all about me. I must get ahead. We can be extremely selfish. We elbow and we push all the way to the top. We scream for attention and desire to be heard. Never in the history of mankind have we had more platforms to express ourselves yet felt so isolated and ignored. If you've placed your faith in Christ alone in order to go to heaven, then you truly are saved. The moment that you, that that took place, your identity ceased to be about you and what you could build for yourself and became about your Savior and His call upon your life. He has called you to live a life that is different from the world around you. He has called you to set uh, aside uh, the uh, 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 follow a set of behaviors and lifestyles that are set apart from your neighbors, your friends, your coworkers, and anyone else who is not a devoted follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. What is that calling? What is that command of Christ? It is to seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. I propose that it is not just to be found in a Bible verse that you casually consider, but rather it should be a lifestyle that comes to define you as you seek to live your life as a devoted servant of our Savior and King. He has come and done everything that He could. He died to His own will to follow the will of the Father to come and die on the cross for the sins of all mankind. For you and for me, the least we can do is give our lives back to Him in return. Let's look at three truths out of Matthew chapter 6.33 as we consider this command of Christ to seek first the kingdom of God. I want us to see first here our pursuit. Our pursuit. If you're in Matthew 6:33, I want you to say the first two words with me. Ready? Begin. But seek. Seek. What does it mean to seek? According to dictionary.com, the word seek is an elementary level word. While the concept of seeking is simple to explain, it takes a lifetime of living to fully realize and understand all that that word truly means. Everyone is pursuing or seeking something or someone. Many of us seek after money. Many of us seek after popularity. Many of us seek after relationships. Can I remind us today, we all are created to seek after something. Even if we go idle, we don't pursue a job, we don't pursue uh, something with our time, eventually we will fall into seeking sin and temptation will bring us down time and time again. Others seek perfect health or perfect life balance. Some seek to climb the corporate ladder. And while others, uh, they choose to achieve the American dream. But the prophet Isaiah reminds us that we are to seek the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near, Isaiah 55, 6 reminds us. There are levels of seeking the Lord. Some casually seek others, seek out the Lord, while others passionately seek. We have casual Christianity today that desires comfort and desires uh, some apathy. And, but we have others that seek the Lord with their whole heart. And they are given wholly to the Lord in seeking His kingdom. There are varying levels. Psalm 63, verse number 1 says, O God, Thou art my God. Early will I seek Thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no honor is. 
I think this morning about this psalm and I am reminded of my own upbringing. I think of my parents. My parents were not ones to put a high priority on water. My mom, probably more than my dad. But I think my dad could walk through the Sahara Desert with just one bottle of water and he'd be okay. I hardly ever remember seeing my father uh, with a, a bottle uh, and, and constantly drinking. I mean, he was just that type of guy. And I think I followed more in his footsteps. My wife, on the other hand, she's got this giant water jug. Okay? She brings it with her everywhere. As soon as I see her in the morning, she's got her Bible. She's got this giant water jug. And it's, I think the thing's about maybe a gallon or so of water. And it has time stamps going all the way down. So by 7 o'clock, you got to drink, you know, a quarter of, of the, 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 the big jug. And by, you know, 10 o'clock, you got to get down to this mark. And noon, you got to have half of it all, all done. And it gives you exactly the time that you need to be drinking. And I don't follow that at all, okay? My wife drinks more water than, uh, than probably I drink in, uh, in a single week, right? I don't, I don't drink a whole lot of water. But I'll tell you this, I've had times in my life where I'm working outside and I'm doing something, and, and while I naturally don't thirst after water a whole lot, I, I like more iced tea. Who's with me? Come on now. Uh, more iced tea. And, but, but I'll tell you, on, a, on a, a hot, dry day where I can feel my tongue sticking to the roof of my mouth, I think to myself, wow, what I would do for just a glass of water. And some of us, our Christianity... It's much like that illustration. Some of us are passionately pursuing God and we drink the water that we should. We are constantly reminded. We have a jug, so to speak, that tells us how much we should be drinking and we, 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 we exercise ourselves to regularly drink and regularly pursue and regularly have fellowship with God because with the minute that we don't, our soul goes dry and we desire to be with Him. We go a couple days and we say, I need you, God. I need fellowship with you. I need to hear from you. But by and large, American Christianity is much like me with water. It's only when we absolutely need it. It's only when crisis hits, when when our mouths are dry, when we have nothing else, that is at that point that we remember that we need the water of the Word. It is at that point that we begin to seek after Him. And so our pursuit, we must seek. We must seek God diligently. Everyone is in pursuit of something. Many are so absorbed in bad things or even good things that they are unaware of the needs of those around them and they miss out on pursuing the best things. Somebody once said it this way, the Christian life shouldn't be about us going around uh, trying to decide what is good and what is bad. The Christian life should come down to us deciding between the good and the best. And sometimes we put the best on the altar of what is good and we don't do what is best. We should deliberately be seeking after God. Paul had need for someone to go and check out uh, the church in Philippi. His inability to find someone led him to say in Philippians 2.21, For all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. So many are self-absorbed instead of God-absorbed and others-absorbed. This is a trap that is easy for all to fall into. In order to avoid the trap, we must make a deliberate choice to pursue God's will and not our own. It is a daily choice that must be made first thing in the morning. Let me invite you to turn to Proverbs chapter 8, verse number 17. Proverbs chapter 8, verse number 17. You say, Pastor, do I really need to get up early in the morning? Does that really need to be the first thing that I do? I'm not a morning person, and I'm right there with you. I, I just got myself through the 815 service. Glory to God. All right? Now, this is, this is the service. I'm a little more awake, a little fired up now. Okay? I'm not a morning person. But we find time and time again 
that a blessed man is somebody who seeks after God day and night. I'm reminded of what Psalm 1.1 says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. Proverbs 8, verse number 17, I love them that love me, and those that seek me early shall find me. When you make the deliberate choice to seek God first thing in the morning, you will find Him there waiting for you. As long as you are in love with God, this is easy, but how about those times when you don't feel like pursuing God? You must do it out of choice. You must do it deliberately. You know, nothing happens by accident. A lot of us have great goals and great desires, but we don't make them happen. For several years now, Pastor Andrew has said he's going to lose weight. Right? For several years, some of us have said we're going to take a family vacation. For several years, some of us have said we're going to start paying off debt. We're going to start saving for a car. We have these desires, but how many of you understand with me, they don't just happen. I have never, never woken up one day and found myself automatically exercising. I never woke up and I'm on the treadmill. It takes a deliberate choice for me to say, Andrew, you're hitting the treadmill. You're going to the gym. And my friend, it, makes a, it takes a deliberate choice for you to say, I'm going to take off work. I'm going to save for my vacation. I'm going to tell my family, this is the time that we're clearing our calendars and we're going to go. The boss never, 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 never comes to you and says, I'm giving you these seven days off. I'm giving you a ticket to Florida. And, and all you have to do is just wake up and everybody's just going to make it happen for you. No, you have to have a deliberate action, a deliberate attitude to make it happen. Many wish it would happen. We as Christians need to make it happen. We have the desire, and all of us, you've come to church today, I hope you have a desire to seek God. But it doesn't just happen through osmosis. It doesn't just happen by you waking up one day. It is a series of actions, deliberate actions that help us to seek God. God told the Israelites in Deuteronomy 4 that there would come a day that they would turn their back on Him and would end up in captivity. He told them that when they found themselves in this place, they were to choose uh, humbly and deliberately to seek Him. Deuteronomy 4, verse number 29 says this, But from, but if from thence thou shalt seek the Lord thy God, thou shalt find Him. If thou seek Him with all thy heart and with all thy soul. Notice the intentionality in the verse. You must make a conscious choice to seek the Lord your God. So many people let life happen to them instead of them intentionally, deliberately happening to life. Pursuing God does not happen accidentally. It happens on purpose. It does not happen in a few minutes hours, days, weeks, but rather over a lifetime. And so, it is a deliberate choice, but it is also a diligent choice. Let me invite you to turn to Luke chapter 15. And we're going to find two folks here that are diligently seeking. And as you're turning there, I want you to keep your ears uh, tuned up here as I read Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. The concept of being diligent is that uh, one is uh, uh, thorough and sees a thing through to the end. 
If you're in Luke chapter 15, I invite you to look at verse number 4, and we'll read down through verse number 7. What man of you, having an hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it? And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth, more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance." Jesus tells the Pharisees about a shepherd who leaves 99 of his sheep behind in the wilderness in order to go seek that one lost sheep. And I think of the heart of a shepherd. I think of the heart of a pastor. As we look out, and I think of Pastor Lejeune who is faithful to be a good shepherd. He didn't pay me to say this. But he, he, is, he has been faithful to be a good shepherd of the flock of God that is White Oak Baptist Church. And Weekly we talk and we meet and we think about the faces of the folks that are, are here day in and day out. And we rejoice in everybody that is continually coming to church. But we think also of the faces that we don't see on a Sunday. We think of the faces we don't see on a regular basis. We think, where are they? We're worried about them. I hope they haven't gone sideways. I hope they haven't gone wayward. I hope that they haven't departed the faith. I hope that something uh, that Satan hasn't tried to tempt them and get them away from that which is good. And I know the heart of our shepherd here, White Oak Baptist Church, is that he cares for the one even though the ninety and nine are here. And we rejoice about that, that you stay faithful. We consider the one who has gone away. That shepherd is diligent in his efforts. Finally, he finds that lost and frightened little lamb and restores him back to the fold. But not only do we find this illustration of a shepherd, look with me at verse number 8. Either what woman having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, doth not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently till she find it. And when she hath found it, she called her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I have lost. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. This lady has lost something of great value to her. She's going to brighten every corner and keep searching until she has found it. Why? Because she is searching Diligently. How many of you have ever lost something? You know what's the worst about losing something? Typically, you say this phrase, I just saw it. I just saw it. And it's almost like a pebble in your shoe. You just kind of, oh, I know it's there. I just, I just can't get it out. I just can't uh, find it. I just can't uh, uh, quench this little itch that I have. My wife and I, uh, we, uh, we went to college together in California, and that was quite a move. Both of us kind of on the eastern side, uh, eastern and central side of the United States, and we uh, moved all the way out there for college, and that's where we met. And then uh, after college, we returned home. I went to Pennsylvania. She went to Tennessee, and we were going to be married just a few uh, months uh, later after that. And so in preparation, uh, we, we took a ministry position down in Texas, and, uh, and so I packed up uh, my things, threw it in the moving van, and my family moved uh, these things with me, and we picked up my wife's things in Tennessee on the way, and then uh, my, my family and I, we went to, to Texas, and we unloaded everything in the house, and a few short months later, we, uh, I came back up to Tennessee, we got married, went on our honeymoon, we came back, and started our lives together in Texas. We were there for two years, and uh, it seems like as soon as we unpacked that last box, all of a sudden God calls us to Connecticut. And we come up here, and it's been a joy. But think about all that moving. And on top of that, we, uh, we were in a one-bedroom apartment here in Stratford for uh, a little bit. And then the Lord opened the door for us to get a, a two-bedroom apartment as our family grew. And, and, uh, and then from there, 
uh, we were able to get a, a house up in Ansonia, and the Lord's blessed us in a great way. But I hate moving, all right? I'm done with moving. Uh, you know what happens when you move? You start to unbox things, and then you need something. And then, you know, my wife, she'd come to me and she'd say, Hey, do you know what box we put this in? Well, we only have a thousand boxes here. I'll start looking. Right? And you try to go back in your memory as to where it's at. And you know what it typically is, right? You have the whole bed frame. You got all the components that you need. But you're missing one screw that puts the whole thing together, right? And you need to find that one screw or you're not going to be able to sleep that night uh, with a, a put-together bed. And so uh, we search and we search. You know, we all have similar stories of things where we've misplaced something and we absolutely needed it. And we were frantic and we cleaned. But then the reward of finding something uh, that we have lost, the joy in it. This is how we should seek God. We should do it deliberately, out of choice, out of, uh, out of command, following a command that God has given to us. But we should do it diligently, deliberately and diligently. So we see our pursuit, but we also see our priorities. Turn back with me, Matthew chapter 6, verse number 33. The Bible says, but seek ye first. All of us have gone through a, uh, seasons of life where instead of being in control of the day-to-day, we begun, uh, we, we're being drugged behind the cart of life and are just trying to survive. Seasons like this uh, motto might be, life happens, right? While well, life's just happening. We've all been there, right? Days where we're just not in control and life's just going by and we just uh, aren't as, uh, as diligent as we, as we should be. Have you ever woke up one morning and realized it's been a week or maybe even a month since you've read your Bible? Or maybe you can turn around and realize it's been three months since uh, you've been in a church service. It's easy to lose sight of what our priorities should be. But the Bible says, seek ye first. You know, oftentimes at work, and, and maybe you have a similar situation, sometimes I'll be here in church and I'll be thinking of something that maybe is a little more peripheral, maybe something that's not as important. I think of a, a project or just something that, you know, if I did this, if I accomplished this, this would benefit the church. It would benefit our organization. It would benefit a specific ministry. And I, I put it on my task list. But I say this isn't majorly important. And I get consumed in, in the day-to-day aspects of, of making sure that our discipleship ministries together, making sure that our youth ministries together, making sure that our music ministries together, making sure that the order of service is put and that people have been properly communicated with. And I get so consumed on those things that I find important and I get to the end of the week and I realize I still have one thing here, but it wasn't that important. And so what I say is, oh, I'll get to it next week. And so on my task list, I move the date down and say, I'll get to it on Tuesday. Tuesday comes and goes, and I say, well, I'll, I'll, I'll do it next week. we got a busier week. Eventually, it'll be a calmer week, and, and it seems like time and time and time again that that project gets bumped lower and lower and lower. And I've done this many times where sometimes they'll say, I've had that on there for a long time. When did I first put that project on there? And I'll click on uh, that, that item, and it'll show me the whole history of how... You wanted to have it do this date, and you wanted to have it do this date, and I procrastinated and procrastinated because I don't find it to be important. We as Christians sometimes put God on a lower priority. One of these days, I'll get to it. One of these days, I will seek Him. When life is a little less chaotic, when life is a little more put together, and, uh, and make it clear that, that Jesus is not, uh, uh, that we, we should have uh, Jesus uh, at the top of our to-do list, our to-seek list. He should be number one. And He says that there are things that we should seek. And one of the first things He tells us to seek is God's kingdom. Seek ye first the kingdom of 
God, God's kingdom, letter A. We mentioned Adam and Eve in the introduction. Adam and Eve were tempted. Who were they tempted by? It was Lucifer. How did Lucifer fall? How did Lucifer go into such demise? Categorically, he fell the same way that Adam and Eve did. He prioritized his own kingdom over God's kingdom. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 14, verse number 13 and 14. We'll find here a record of Lucifer and how he was so filled with pride. He was so filled with his own kingdom that he neglected, turned his back on the kingdom of God. Isaiah chapter 14, verse number 13 says this, For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation on the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Lucifer's sin was that he prioritized his kingdom ahead of God's kingdom. Adam and Eve's sin was that they prioritized their own kingdom ahead of God's kingdom. Let's be real with each other this morning. There is a draw to build our own kingdom ahead of God's kingdom. Whole advertisement companies are made for us to seek our own kingdom. But how about this? We want the church to do well, right? But what we really want uh, is that we want us to do well. Want the church to do well, we want to do well. We want the lost to be saved so that they can enjoy the comforts of heaven. But what we really want is our own earthly comforts. We want the church's finances to be strong, but we really want uh, to be personally rich. Jesus modeled for us that it, uh, what it means to put the kingdom of God ahead of our own kingdom. Do you remember in Luke 4 when Satan uh, offered Jesus the kingdom of the world? If he would simply bow, Jesus deferred to his Father. In John 5, verse number 30, the Bible says this, I can of mine own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not my own will, but the will of the Father which hath sent me. Jesus taught and modeled a paradoxical kingdom. If you want to build your kingdom, then instead, build God's kingdom. If you want to abound then abase yourself. If you want to save your life, then lose it. Look with me at Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17. You know, there's sometimes little phrases of Scripture that are just a little odd. Sometimes there's things we just kind of glaze over and we just kind of don't pause and don't reflect and don't really dive into its meaning. But Luke chapter 17, verse number 32, I want us to read the three words that are recorded in Scripture. Luke chapter 17, verse number 32. Ready? Begin. Remember Lot's wife. Remember Lot's wife. That was the message that was given. Verse number 33 says, Whosoever shall seek to save his life shall lose it. Whosoever shall lose his life shall preserve it. Remember Lot's wife. Genesis tells us of a story of Lot and Abraham parting ways. 
Their servants were fighting and they no longer, the two parties could stay together. And so Abraham comes to Lot and he says, listen, uh, we have to go separate ways. We have to go in opposite directions here. And so I want you to choose uh, whichever way you want to go. And wherever you go, I'll go the other way. That way we don't have these issues anymore. And so Lot chose the well-watered plains of Jordan and Abraham settled uh, with going in the opposite direction. The Bible tells us that Lot then pitched his tent toward Sodom. Then Lot and his family sojourned, or they took a vacation to the city. Then Lot and his family became residents of the community. Lot and his family were content with building their own earthly kingdom. Their pursuit was a brick and mortar home, nice things, deep roots in a godless community, and social acceptance. But we know what happened with Sodom and Gomorrah. We know that their sin was to be judged by God. So God's angels came down and they basically grabbed Lot and his wife and pulled them out by their wrists and and took them and said, hey, get out of here. God is bringing judgment. Do not look back. But Lot's wife couldn't help her herself. She had pursued her own kingdom. She was losing everything she loved. Everything she sought, everything she desired, in her disobedience as she turned around, God turned her into a pillar, a rock of salt. And Lot would live out the last few years of his life in drunken paranoia. All because they were not seeking after God's kingdom, but their kingdom. Abraham, on the other hand, would be the father of many nations. God would come to Abraham and He would say, Hey, get thee up out of thy country and out of thy kindred and unto a place that I shall show you. And Abraham, by faith, took his family and loaded up, not knowing where God was going to lead him, but trusting that He was going to use him in a great and mighty way. And Abraham and his wife would be the parents of Isaac and the grandparents of Jacob or Israel. And God would send forth Jesus to be the Savior of the world through Abraham because He pursued God's kingdom over His. Whose kingdom are you busy building? Do you prioritize your own comfort over lost souls? Do you prioritize a large paycheck over church attendance? Do you prioritize a pay raise over Christian morals and values? Do you prioritize cultured children or godly children? The command of Christ is to seek first the kingdom of God. His kingdom, not our own. We are to prioritize God's kingdom, but we also are to prioritize God's righteousness. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. We are not to seek our own self-righteousness, but rather His righteousness. Numbers chapter 15, verse number 39 says this, And it shall be unto you for a fringe that ye may look upon it and remember all the commandments of the Lord and do them, and that ye seek not after your own heart or your own eyes, after which ye used to go whoring or, or searching after other things and having a fellowship and relationships with others rather than the true God. We see this play out throughout the book of Judges. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. The book of Judges is filled with strange stories that come from moral relativity. What is right for you is right for you. What's right for me is right for me. You and I are incapable of knowing what's right and doing what's right without God's Word. God's Word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. It is the bedrock and the foundation of righteousness and we are commanded to seek it with all our heart. God's righteousness laid out in the Bible is to take priority in how we live our lives. Psalm 119, verse number 2. 
Blessed are they that keep His testimonies and that seek Him with the whole heart. So we should seek the kingdom of God. We should prioritize that. We should prioritize God's righteousness. But not only should we see this pursuit and its priorities, but number three, we should see our possessions. Our possessions. Matthew 6.33, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Here's what I've learned as a Christian servant. If I will take care of building God's kingdom, then He will take care of building mine. God does a whole lot better job building my kingdom than I could ever do. Another way of putting this would be if we are prioritizing God's kingdom and His righteousness, then God will prioritize taking care of you. I want you to see letter A, God's awareness of earthly needs. Understand this morning that God does not say to just seek me. Just seek me. It's a one-way relationship. Just keep seeking me. Just keep seeking me. Just keep seeking me. At any cost, just keep seeking me. And and eventually you'll die because you won't have uh, the time. You'll you'll die because you won't have what you need. You're going to perish. It's going to uh, eventually kill you. No, God looks out for you as you seek to follow His will for your life. God knows what you need. As we're looking in Matthew 6, look with me back at verse number 28. And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. We see that, that uh, uh, the flowers are, are blossoming, God gives them what they need to grow, and yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the fields, which, is today, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven... Shall he not much more clothe ye, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all things, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. All these things shall be added unto you. What things does God promise to add to you? As you seek His kingdom, He will give you food. He will give you clothing. He will not let the righteous be forsaken, nor seed-banging bread. God promised to take care of your earthly needs if you look after eternal things. Someone once said it like this, we should live in light of eternity. A lot of us invest in our own personal lives. And many of us, I hope, will live perhaps to our 70s, 80s, 90s. Let's just say we have the strength to make it 100 years. And we live to make sure we are taken care of for 100 years. You might say 100 years is a long time. But let's put that up against eternity. My, how that pales in comparison. My, how that's so much smaller when we think of eternal things and we think of how uh, eternity will just uh, uh, will look back in our life and it will be but a speck, but a small little thing. I wish I have invested more into the kingdom of God because God promises to invest in my years here to make sure that I am taken care of. God does not promise to make you materially rich, but He does promise to supply your material need. What else does God add to those who seek His kingdom and His righteousness? He seeks to give great wisdom and understanding to navigate life's most difficult challenges. Proverbs chapter 28, verse number 5. Evil men understand not judgment, but they that seek the Lord understand all things. 
So we need to understand that God is looking out for us. God is going to take care of us and meet our needs and, and the things that we have. I found in my own ministry, in my own life, that uh, my wife and I, we desire wholeheartedly to be committed to gospel ministry. We did not do that for paycheck. We did not do that because we thought that was the shortest uh, distance to wealth. We did that because we believed that God had a calling in our life. And I'll be honest with you today, there have been times when I've looked in my bank account and I got double zeros in it. Anybody else like that? And you get tempted to say, well, I'll cut back on what I'm doing at church. I can miss maybe one or two Sundays. Not going to be a big deal. But my wife and I, we prioritize that we're going to put ministry first. We're going to make sure that we uh, uh, prioritize the work of God. And let me stand before you as a testimony this morning that while I've had moments where I look at my account and I say, God, I need You to come through, I give testimony today that God has and continually will come through for us. Many of you today have had moments where you, you, you say, well, I, I, if, I, if, I just, if I just worked on the weekends, I just get a little bit more. I get, I get time and a half. I get, I get something uh, as a benefit. And it's very tempting, but you say, no, God, I'm putting you at your word. I'm going to seek first your kingdom. I'm going to follow the will that you have for me. I'm not going to uh, skip church. I'm not going to give up the eternal, eternal things. I'm going to live in light of eternity. And guess what? Me and many others have, have gone to the mailbox on a day that a bill is due and opened it up and saw a check that you didn't really realized you were going to get, saw that somebody provided for you in a way that was unspeakable, and you could only but rejoice that God met your need. We praise Him this morning because He's looking out for us. He knows our earthly needs. But we, we, we should also uh, 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 we should have anticipation for eternal rewards. I want to invite you to turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Coming to a close here as we look at this last portion of Scripture. I think the clock's broken. I'm looking at... uh, I've just been looking up, and man, I feel like I've been going up here for a while, and I'm having a good time. I hope you are. But uh, I'm coming to the last point here, and it's 1132. All right? So I hope I'm not going to mess up, mess up other ministries or things, but we're going to get out here early. Amen? Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 6 says this, But without faith, it is impossible, impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. He is a rewarder. When you read through Hebrews 11, you get to Hebrews 12, we find that there is a great cloud of witnesses. These great, uh, this great cloud of witnesses is uh, being richly rewarded because of enduring their race. They sought God deliberately. And they sought Him diligently. When we live in light of eternity, no doubt we will reap rewards in heaven. No doubt we will truly understand the aspect of eternity and the fact that, that there will be things that we have laid up, things that we can rejoice in, things that we now can have a beloved rest because we have spent all of our years, all of our time seeking first the kingdom of God. And now it is eternal, uh, uh, eternal time for Him to reward us and to give us the riches that are due. We praise Him that He looks out for us. We praise Him for the eternal rewards that we will receive when we diligently seek Him. The whole sermon this morning comes down to this simple word. 
faith. Everyone has faith. Some have it in God. Some have it in others. I'll just wait till the government helps me. I'll just wait till family member helps me. I'll just wait till we have faith in others. We have faith in themselves. Some people have faith in themselves. I can do this. I'll get out of this hole eventually. I'll fix myself. If you truly trust that God will meet your earthly need and provide you with an eternal reward, then Matthew 6.33 will not only be a command in the Bible, but a descriptor of the way you live your life. Christians, God's calling in your life is that you will pursue Him. You will seek Him. God's calling for you is that you will prioritize Him. You'll seek Him first. The kingdom of God and His righteousness. Are you following God's call in your life? Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. I appreciate you being such a great crowd this morning. Being attentive. I don't take it lightly that when pastor's away... It's a different voice, a different feeling in the service. But I hope that the Spirit of God, all the same, would come and speak to you. Convict you, all of us, where we need help. When have we been tempted to seek our own kingdom and not the kingdom of God? When have we fulfilled that temptation and, 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 and gone after our own desires? over the desires of God. May this morning we confess the times where we've gone away. May perhaps this morning we renew a covenant before God that today, God, I'm going to seek You wholeheartedly. I'm going to seek You first. I'm going to put You at the top of my to-do list uh, 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 to to fellowship with You and and to know the wills uh, that You have in my life. And God, I'm going to be faithful to it. 